On the behalf of the Nolan family, we welcome you here. It is indeed a sad but happy occasion. I know the Nolans are very pleased to see everyone here, and, and uh, it does it rejoices their hearts. It rejoices all of our hearts to see everyone present, concerned about our brother Ron. We're going to uh, have a service, and and you probably have the. Uh, order of service, the pamphlet that you were given when you came in. I'll ask you to open to that because in a minute I'm going to read the obituary and I'd like you to follow along with me. And at the conclusion, at the closing prayer, we would like to ask everyone to remain seated until the Nolan family can be escorted out of the building. And then as soon as possible, uh, we'll have our brother Jerry Johnson Make sure that each row goes out and exits so that we, we don't crowd up in the vestibule and spread any, any unwanted germs. Now, we're fairly confident that, that we're all safe, but we want to take extra precautions to make sure that that's, that's the case. Again, thank you for being here. Will you join me in a prayer? Our God, our Almighty Father, the one who is full of mercy and grace and goodness, Thank you, O God, for letting us come together and to remember your servant, our brother, Ron Nolan. We pray that all that we say and do today will be an honor to you and will be a good service that Ron would appreciate and know that, that he is loved and he's missed. Thank you, Father, for this good gathering. Thank you for everything you've given us, especially for your son Jesus in his name. Amen. Let's, uh, let's read the obituary together. I'll do the reading. <laughs> Ronald Keith Nolan was born April the 3rd, 1959 in Longview, Washington and passed from this earth on September the 7th, 2020. He was preceded in death by his parents, Bob and Shirley, and his sister, Carol Stoner. He leaves behind his wife, Julie, his son, Scott, his sister, Sherry, and numerous nieces and nephews. When Ron was around four months old, he was adopted by Bob and Shirley Nolan. He lived in Puyallup until he was in high school, at which time they moved to Lake Taps. On Memorial Day, 1975, Ron and Julie met at a family church baseball game. Two years later, they were married on October the 21st by me. A year later, their son Scott was born. Ron and Julie settled in Puyallup where they have lived for 42 years. As you, if you've seen the, the display at the front, the, the uh, memorial of Ron, uh, the pictures that are up front, he had a variety of habits, ha hobbies and, and pastimes that he enjoyed throughout his life. When he was in high school, he enjoyed racing his 1969 Roadrunner at Puyallup Raceway and SIR. He bought his first Jeep shortly after he married, and he and Julie began a lifelong love of off-roading. Throughout his life, he has owned six different Jeeps. When his son Scott started racing BMX bikes, Ron decided to take up the sport as well. He was 37 years old. He, Scott, and Julie would travel to different states to compete. Ron was Washington State champion for his age group in 2000 and 2001. And also, he was the Rider of the Year in 2001. Ron was also a big hockey fan and had season tickets to the Tacoma Sabercats. 
He also enjoyed watching football and was a big fan of the Rams growing up until the Seahawks came along. During the first few years of their marriage, Ron worked at several different places of employment. In 1980, he began working at Emerald Home Furnishings, where he was employed for 20 years before being laid off when the business was sold. Ron spent many years helping others, as we all very well know. In particular, his mother-in-law, Ruth, and her neighbor, Louise, with yard work and home repairs. In 2015, he returned to Orchard Street Church, where he became very active in assisting the congregation. And somebody has said, it will take five men to replace this guy. He was the coordinator of the property management, property maintenance and home assistance ministry and was in charge of the audio-visual service on Sunday mornings, among many other things. Ron will be greatly missed by his wife, his son, his family, his church family, and his many friends. And in reading from God's Word in Matthew twenty-five twenty-one at the judgment scene, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of the Lord. Spirit, peace renew, and yes, I know you hear, for you are near, for you have promised, and I believe. Then I will praise, praise your name forever, praise your name, I'll give you thanks and magnify your loving favor. Tell amen, for all your promises are true, and I believe. I lift my hand to reach your face, find in your arms a hiding place to be enfolded there within your care, for you. And I believe Then I will praise Praise your name forever Praise your name I'll give you thanks and magnify your loving favor And I will tell of your salvation Tell amen for all your promises are true And I believe speak your name into the night, seek through the pain your healing light, and then I will not fear, for you are here, for you have promised, and I believe. Then I will praise magnify your loving favor, and I will tell of your 
salvation's amen, for all your promises are true, and I believe. Secure my heart, Lord, as I kneel. Make sure my trust, my all I yield. Then I'll be one with you in all I do, for you have promised and I believe. Then I will praise your name forever. I'll give you thanks and magnify your loving favor for me. And I will tell of your salvation for all your promises are true and I passing of our brother and friend Ron Nolan came as a shock to all of us, including his own family. No one suspected he was having heart episodes. Death overtook him suddenly, unexpectedly. It overtook Ron's family and his friends. One day Ron was with us, and the next day he was gone. We were left wondering why. And death was not considered enough to pause to leave an explanation. Death is like that. Death shuts the door in our faces. It slams the portal of life shut and leaves us stunned and grieving behind that closed door. We desperately try to cope with the overwhelming loss of a precious life. Death is no respecter of persons. It doesn't care who you are or how much you care for the departing. Young or old, weak or strong, sick or healthy, death claims all of the living creatures of God on this earth. And it's cruel and unfeeling. It swoops down on us and plunges us into sad darkness. It uh, seizes our hearts with a cold, icy grip and then wrings scalding tears from our eyes. It shrouds us with a blanket of darkness and insults our very being. Death doesn't care how much pain comes through our losses and seldom is courteous enough to warn us when it intends to claim its next victim. It clouds our future days and darkens our prospects of happiness. Death has blanketed our landscapes with graveyards and mortuaries and it is never satisfied. It never says enough. And it seems, in the light of this, that death wins and prevails. So it seems. That is exactly how this tired old world must view death. This was the dark and dismal world that Jesus stepped into when He came here to find us. It was a world dominated and controlled by death. 
This old world was the devil's marketplace, his domain, his playground. He ruled as an unchallenged enemy, and death was his power over us. His sole purpose was to shut us off from the source of life by shutting us off from God. His strength was to hold us captive in our sins and then shuffle us off into the blackness and darkness of eternity forever. Jesus changed all of that. He stepped into this world and turned on the lights. He drove out the darkness. He confronted the enemy head on. And the devil was overmatched. His minions, the demons, came out of those who were touched by him crying, We know who you are, you Holy One, Son of God. By His very presence, Jesus inspired hope and confidence. When Jesus came, He met the enemy on His own home ground and defeated him at a place called Calvary. The devil never had the upper hand. Jesus was never separated from His Father by sin. He was the light and He was the life. Even so, He accepted the dark weight of our sins and carried our burdens by Himself alone to the cross. His accuser, the devil, was shown to be a charlatan, a pretender. Accusations, accusations by those who followed this pretender were shouted from the base of the cross, if you are the Son of God, come down. And Jesus did come down. While He was dying, He didn't flinch. He endured death for every one of us. But, my friends, Jesus died. Good men and women that had been with Him all this time, that He's here, mourned His death like we're mourning Ron now. They felt the same pain we're feeling because their friend died. Sadness they felt, not luck on ours, fell over them. They sat in the gloom and shadow of death, stunned and perplexed like we are. In their deepest despair, they asked the same questions we ask ourselves in the presence of Ron's death. Why? Three days later, their question was answered. Early on Sunday morning, Jesus stepped from the gloom of the tomb into the bright sunlight of a new day. He arose. He had told a young man's sister who had met him on the way to the grave of her brother. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whosoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. What a contrast with the gloom of death. Jesus said, believe in me and you'll never die. When Peter was questioned by the ruling religious leaders of his day, he told them, he said, the God of our fathers has raised up Jesus. Paul would later write of this moment saying, know that Christ has raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. And we cry out as Paul did, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The answer is our faith in Jesus is our victory. We cannot help from being sad at Ron's passing. We'll miss him and mourn for his loss. But our loss is tempered by the knowledge that Ron belonged to Jesus. And Jesus said, Now if you are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Ron belonged to Jesus. And Jesus has him now. When Ron died, Jesus said, Come on, Ron. You're with me. We've got this.
some of you in the audience might remember that about 35, 40 years ago, Ron used to lead singing mostly on Sunday evening. At that time, his favorite song to lead was Paradise Valley, which seems like he would lead about every second or third time. In memory of those days, our next song will be Paradise Valley, which was very special to Ron. As I travel through life with a trouble and strife, I would glorious hope to give cheer on the way. Soon my toil will be o'er, and I'll rest on that shore where the night has been turned into day. Up in the beautiful paradise valley by the side. This is to Julie and Ron family and from Carl and Jake and um uh, we we are with you during this time. We know that God will give you strength through the difficult time. Uh we we love you both, uh Julie and Ron and, and we know that uh we're going to see Ron again, Julie, and we just miss him so very much and you know, the Bible tells us that in Revelation fourteen verse number 13, you say, blessed, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord, and that their works will follow them. Ron was so devoted to God and and always ready for every good work. He encouraged me and Jay to to always do good. And, you know, we, we love him so very much. And, you know, Ron, Ron had a, a good spirit about himself. And he, you know, you could see that he was a, such a wonderful example to me personally, and and uh, also to my brother Jay. Jay always talk about Ron, and that uh, we know that this is a difficult times, and even in death, Julie, that that God is with us in death, and that uh, we offer our sympathy to you and your family, and uh, we want you to know that we love you both. And that um, the Lord is always 
with us, and that one day we're going to see Ron again. And what a family, what a great reunion that's going to be. And I want you to know that God is with you. That that uh, we're going to see our brother again uh, with 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 our Father Jesus, uh, God, and also Jesus. And uh, and Ron always say, you know, it's it's far better to be with the Lord. And you know he was look, looking forward to being with Jesus, and 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 we all looking forward to being with him. And one day I I miss him physically, but I'm going to see him again, and I'm looking forward to that wonderful day. And we love you and keep the faith, and you you are in our prayers, me and Jay. Thanks. Good morning. My name is John Kearns, and I'd like to share some comments with you regarding my memories of my friend and brother, Ron Nolan. I first met Ron and Julie when I moved into the area in 1976, 44 years ago. At that time, the church was located on North Orchard Street, across from Wilson High School. We moved here into our current location in 1985. Ron and Julie continued to attend at, at our new building. Sometime around 1993 or 1994, Ron quit attending church and became involved in other activities that occupied his time, especially on the weekends. Julie continued to attend faithfully, and every Sunday morning when she left for services, she would ask Ron if he wanted to come with her. This continued for 20 plus years until 2015. In August of 2015, my wife Kathy and I planned a six week trip to Alaska. At that time, I was running the audiovisual system for the church. At the church picnic, Kathy and I asked Ron if he'd be interested in running the audiovisual system while we were gone. He said okay and volunteered to do it. I later told Kathy that if he accepted the job, that when we returned from our trip, I would tell him the job was his to keep which he did, as we all know. Subsequently, he attended faithfully and became a fixture in the back room running our equipment. If I had to describe one word <clears throat> to describe Ron, it would, be it would be servant. Ron was the lead coordinator for our property maintenance home assistance ministry. The purpose being to facilitate the maintenance and upkeep of the church property and to help provide and locate assistance for our members that might be in need of help. This was an endless job, and Ron took to it with a passion. I'm going to give you a partial list of just some of the tasks that I'm aware of that Ron either led or completed. He organized and led numerous work parties around the property to keep it clean, 
often using his truck to haul off the debris. He weeded and cut the grass. He arranged and contracted for our current landscaping services. More than once, he pressure washed the parking lot and the concrete walls. He worked with David Tucker on several electrical projects, including replacing the lamps in our pole lights with LED lamps. He arranged for the opening and closing of our gate on garbage day. He visited the property frequently and picked up the garbage and arranged for other volunteer help to do the same. At least two or three times a year, he would spray weed killer around the property. He arranged and assisted with the maintenance on our HVAC system. He spent several days working on our baptistry to repair the leaks. He assisted with the repair of our roof trusses and the selection of a contractor for replacing our roof. He climbed up in our attic several times to run the cables for the TV that are mounted above us. He arranged for a man lift to be delivered to the building so the two of us could lift and mount the TVs. This list, <coughs> excuse me, this list is by no means exclusive, but does provide you with an indication of his work ethic. Ron was a perfectionist, and he worked tirelessly to make sure every job was done to the best of his ability. I don't think he ever said no to anyone that asked him for help. I sometimes felt that people may have taken advantage of him because of this particular characteristic. He not only worked on the church's property, but he helped many others as well. He and Julie both spent hours and days helping Judy Turner around her house after Marshall died. He helped repair Pat Lackland's car, replacing the battery and tires. He and Julie were the caregivers for Louise Stutley for several years until her death last year. They did everything for her because she had no family. They arranged for her health care in an adult family home during her last days. Ron personally helped Kathy and me <clears throat> with several jobs. For example, he helped us install a large pergola in our backyard. He spent three days helping me repair a leak in the main water supply to our house. It required a special kind of plastic pipe and he drove around all over town looking for the right one. I needed two feet, but had to buy a hundred foot because that's how it came. Once he even chased down and caught our puppy who escaped through the front door. Ron loved Mexican food, especially chips and salsa, almost as much as I do. He bought me take-home chips and salsa on more than one occasion. 
I will truly miss our Montezuma lunches together with him and Julie. He was a close and personal friend, and I miss him dearly. Every day I keep expecting to hear from him. Ron and Julie were usually the first or second family to arrive here at the building on Sunday mornings and almost always the last ones to leave because he locked up and secured the building. They both always were diligent and helped out with the setup and teardown for any church event. Ron had a great sense of humor and was a fantastic storyteller. As we say goodbye, I have a couple of old VHS video clips of Ron that I'd like to play. The first, the first one is a video of Ron telling a story at a New Year's Eve party that was held at Bill and Bonnie's house many, many years ago. The second video is of a little snowshoeing adventure that Ron and Julie Alan and Phyllis Bailey, and Kathy and myself had on Mount Rainier in 1999. So, for now, I guess it's goodbye. Until we meet again. I will always love you. Actually, we've had a few things happen around the house uh, in the evenings, you know, after we go to bed or whatnot, and we live right on the corner, so we get quite a bit of action. It seems like once in a while out on the, right on the street corner there. So one night, oh, it was a Saturday night, I believe, we went to bed around 10, 11 o'clock, and, and uh, it was pretty warm. I was in the middle of the summer. It was pretty warm out, so we had been to bed, and I'd been laying there tossing and turning, couldn't go to sleep, and... Finally, I just kind of dozed off, and I heard this, what is that? So I laid there a minute, and about two minutes later, sure enough, the same thing came by again. I rolled over, and I said, Julie, did you hear that? Yeah. And it was a couple of these mopeds, what it was, and they were racing around the the block there, and I thought, boy, that's enough of that stuff. I said, I had a hard enough time getting to sleep anyway, so anyway, I laid there for a few minutes, and sure enough, it came by again. And about two seconds later, the second one came by, you know, it was right behind him, came by him again. And uh, so this went on for all probably half hour or so, and I said, okay, that's enough of that. I guess I'm going to take the, take the law into my hands. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a stop to this. So it was pitch black, and it just so happened that the, uh, the street light in the, in the corner was out, so it was black out there. Boy, these, I, I laid there, and I laid there, and it went away for about 15 minutes, and nobody came by. I thought, oh, that's great. Finally, they went home, and they decided to quit for the night. And I said, I had already made up my mind, if this happens one more time, I'm going out there with a broom. <laughs> so, so, I was laying, so I was laying there, and nothing, nothing happened, and, and, uh, and it was real quiet, and all of a sudden I heard this. I thought I heard something, I was listening, I kind of rolled, sit up a little bit, and I didn't hear anything. I laid back down, and sure enough, right by the house. I said, okay, that's it, forget it. So I got up, and I went out the back door, and uh, I took the broom with me. And I walked around the front of the house, and I stood right out on the, on the sidewalk from the front door, right out on the sidewalk, by the street. 
should have been. So I stood out there and I waited. It seemed like this was eternity by then because, I mean, it took forever. And these guys, they never came by. And I thought, oh. Here I am standing out in a car, goes by, and I'm standing out. I was looking around. So anyway, so I waited and I waited and I thought, well, I guess these guys have gone home. They're not going to come by. And sure enough, I listened up a little bit and here he comes around on six, six feet right there. And I thought, here he comes. Well, it was pitch black and I was only, I was probably only, oh, maybe 20 yards from the street, from the street corner. But I was right out on the curb. I was standing right on the curb right here. So here he comes around the corner. First guy, here he comes like this, right around the six. And he comes right past me and he got about, Oh, just a little way before it got right up to me, and I walked right out on the street, and I had this thing in my hand. <laughs> and I just wanted to just let him know to quit, you know? I was just going to say, oh, listen, you know, this is how we're going to show you. We don't want you doing this anymore. <laughs> but it got a little bit out of hand when I swung the broom. I hit him, I hit him right in the face. <laughs> and... So anyway, when I hit him, I, I just walked, all I did was I walked off the curb and I just went like this. Well, I was just going to hit his arm. I hit him right in the face. Anyway, and, and he went back, it was kind of serious, but he went back and the bike took off and the street. And it laid down in the street and went around like this and it, and it ended up in the intersection. This guy's, this guy's not saying very nice things and he's looking around like, where is that guy? Well, I thought he was going to come after me. I thought he saw me. <laughs> so here I am standing back on the sidewalk again with my broom. <laughs> and here he is yelling and screaming. And, and, he's, and if, by this time, his buddy came up to the intersection. He had already come around the corner, but he didn't see me. I was standing right there, and I thought, boy, my heart's pumping. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess I got myself into it. I'm going to have to give myself up. <laughs> So, anyway, the, uh, the guy stands there, and he's kind of rubbing his elbow. He kind of scuffed it up. It's a good thing he had a helmet on. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't kill him, seriously, because it, it was really more serious than, you know, here we're all laughing. It's funny now, but for him, it wasn't too funny. So, so anyway, needless to say, they didn't ride anymore. But uh, anyway, the, across the street, my neighbor was still up. And uh, this guy, boy, he was yelling and screaming, and finally he got mad, and he got back on his bike and he's kicking that thing, and it finally gets it started. So they take off. Well, come to find out, anyway, I better back up here a second. So the neighbors is still up, and uh, so they didn't see. I hear I thought this guy was looking at me, and he couldn't see me, so I just walked back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> After I had already determined he didn't see me, I walked back in the house. You know, I walked in the back door, and I... I walked in the bedroom and, and Julie goes, Bro, I don't believe you did that. She, she could hear she could hear the bike crash in a stream and rolling around. So anyway, I look out, I kinda peek out the, the curtain, I open up a little bit, and I, my, I knew my neighbor was up and I thought he must have heard what was going on. And here are these two guys, they walked across the street and they're looking into his yard. They're thinking, oh, that must have been the guy. His light's on it. He must have been the one. <laughs> so I thought, well, I better call Doug up and tell him. I said, this is what's going on because these people, these guys are thinking, you're the one to hit him with a broom and they're coming after you. <laughs> so I, so of course, here I am. I couldn't remember his phone number. And I didn't, I didn't want to turn the light on in the house. 
I remember, I think I got a flashlight out or something. I started calling him. So I called him up. I said, this is about 11.30. And, and uh, Doug answers the phone. I said, Doug, this is Ron across the street. Did you hear what was going on here? Just little buddy? No, I didn't hear anything. I said, you're not going to believe what happened. I just knocked this guy off his motorcycle with his broom. He said, you did what? I said, well, these mopeds are right. You didn't hear these mopeds buzzing around? They're racing around. I said, I had enough of it. So I got the broom out. And uh, he says, well, you can get in a lot of trouble for that. I said, I know. I said, they're, I said they can't see me because I have the lights off in the house, but they're looking over into your backyard. <laughs> well, even something even a little bit funnier than that is that here we are talking on the phone, and his... He's got the, the rec room light is on, but his kitchen, he didn't happen to have a big window. He didn't happen to have a curtain right there. Here he is standing talking on the phone. These guys are looking at him. <laughs> so anyway, I'm almost done. <laughs> so anyway, Doug says, he, so then he went outside. I got off the phone and, and uh, I walked back in the bedroom. Here Doug walks out and he asks these guys what they're doing. Just act like nothing, like he wanted to find out why they were looking into his yard at 1130 at night. And uh, he went and talked to him anyway. So he got done and they took off. I saw them take off down the street. And he comes back in the house and he uh, calls me up. I phone rang, so I, got, I thought, who is this? Anyway, so I answered the phone. It was Doug. He says, you're not going to believe this. He says, his daughter was, I believe, either graduating that year. I think she was a senior that year. And um, he says, anyway, it was a friend of hers that was her brother. And he says, it's the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. He says, he... He wouldn't even hurt any, I mean, he wouldn't hurt anybody. He says, all you had to do was just go up and say, hey, would you guys quiet down a little bit? We're trying to sleep. Instead of hitting him with your broom. <laughs> Go any further up because I'm running out of air. <laughs> well, it's because John's taking our picture. I know. <laughs> okay, we can talk. There's sound. Oh no. Okay. Hello. Hello. I, bet, I bet you all didn't know that we had gone to Switzerland. We're almost to the top of the Alps and we're having a great time. And look what great shape we're in. And John's in the best shape. He's standing there with the camera. <laughs> and there goes Ron. He's leading the expedition with Alan following close behind. Julie's bringing up third. Phyllis is right on Julie's heels. I'm going, and Jen's going to bring up the rear. And we'll see you when we get back to the States. Bye. Okay, I'll, all the rest of you fall in order now. You had the lens cover on, didn't you?
is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. For certain, maybe you're still here. I feel you all around me. Your memory so clear. Deep in the stillness, I can hear you speak. You're still an inspiration. Can it be that you? And you are watching over me from up above. Fly me up to where you are beyond the distant star. I wish upon tonight to see you smile. If only for. Cherish all you gave me every day, 'cause you are my forever love. Watching me from above, and I.
that young man. All of us, and especially the Nolan family, will miss him with such a deep pain and grief. So uh, we want to thank everyone on their behalf for coming and, and providing some comfort and uh, some uh, consolation, letting them know that you remember Ron and you think of them. You think of them. When I finish my prayer, we're going to ask everybody to exit the building and we'll have the family go first. And, and the reason we want to do this is to get everybody outside as soon as we can. If you'd like to come back in and view the setup in front of us, you may feel welcome to do that. But, but we want to make sure that we don't congregate in a, in an entire, in a very tight spot. So if you'll, you'll please do that. We'll probably have everybody exit as they, as Jerry comes down and, and let's roll by roll leave. And if you'd like to visit with the Nolan family, they'll be outside in the open air. So will you join me with, with me in a prayer to close this service? Dear God, our loving Father, our gracious, loving, kind, and generous Father, we know you love us and we know you love the Nolan family. We know that you love uh, them so much and that you care for them and that you know that their hearts are breaking and you know that there, there are many hearts breaking at the loss of, of Ron. But we, we take comfort, oh God. We know that you've made promises and we want to claim those promises in the name of Jesus, knowing that he, he told us that there'll be a life after a while and we can be together again and be with you. 
Now we thank you for this time we had together and we, we want you to to uh, attend to our prayers. Will you, will you bend your ear and hear us as we ask for consolation and comfort and for peace over the Nolan family and, and their great loss. Thank you, O oh God, as we offer our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.